teaching started to probably make me a little bit curious about what else I could be doing and was I doing the work that was like um, the highest and best use of my talent, my intellect, and my passion. Hello, and welcome to the Fork in the Road podcast. I am your host, Kathy Galloway, and here we share stories of women forced to choose between leaning into an invested career in corporate America or daring to venture into an unknown path. This episode is taking us to the heart of 2020. My guest has lived the worst 2020 could offer professionally and has got a lot to share. I'm Anne Engel King Smith, and I'm a brand and marketing executive, a mom, and a yoga teacher. Anne and I shared time together at PepsiCo many moons ago, but today we're spending our time talking about her experiences in 2020. She started out the year as an executive in the travel industry, and well, you can all guess how that turned out. Yet in this episode, Anne provides us such mature, centered wisdom that you will want to get in on one of her yoga classes. Listen for her insights on self-reflection, intention, and pause. Trust me, you'll walk away better for it, no matter what your experience was in 2020. Enjoy. Hi, Anne. I'm so, 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 I don't have enough so's to say how excited I am to talk to you and to, to share your specific story, but also to reconnect with you um, as, a, as a friend and as a colleague. I'm, I'm excited to reconnect with you again. So welcome to my little yeah, podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Yeah. So I want to jump right into your story. Um, I know a little bit about it. And I want to start with the part of the story where <laughs> like for all of us, things used to be normal. Everything seems <laughs> fine. And we were just moving along. Um, uh, for the rest of us, it's 2020. But for you, uh, we obviously are leading to something. So let's backtrack a little to when you're at choice and you're, you're kind of leading your life as normal. Mm -hmm. Tell us what was going on. Yeah. So um, I worked at Choice Hotels and noticed that I said worked, you know, planting a seed <laughs> for how this unfolds. Um, so Choice Hotels is an awesome company, 100% uh, franchised, supporting small business owners who are building and buying hotels and, you know, bringing a great guest experience to a lot of, you know, resourceful Americans. Um, I spent six years running the brand organization, and then I spent the last year in corporate strategy. And, you know, really, the my seven years there was such an amazing run because the entire time I reported into the C-suite, um, I led teams, my scope expanded, I was challenged. Um, hospitality is a pretty male-dominated industry. It recognizes it. It's doing a lot to um, advance women, recognize women, support women. I was fortunate to have a lot of sponsors um, in the organization who really pushed me to develop. Um, and yeah, so everything was fine. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm awesome. I'm an executive. You know, I've got access mm -hmm. to the CEO. <laughs> I, you know, present materials to the board. All this is fantastic. But of course, COVID hit. And mm -hmm. um, the, you know, hospitality and travel and tourism and generally was was hit really hard 
when people don't travel, there's no revenue for the hotels. When there's no revenue for the hotels, the companies can't make money. When companies have a revenue shortage, they have to look at costs. Mm-hmm. So in a you know pretty significant workforce reduction, my position was eliminated. And um, so I found myself after seven years of being an you know, a really star performer, really well recognized with a great reputation in the industry and in the company um, and having a lot of mentees and all of that, Mm. I found myself in a situation that I had never been before in my life. And that is without a job. Mm. And I mean, in that moment, were you thinking, and my mom is in the travel industry. So we also in our family spent a lot of time talking and thinking about what exactly was coming next. But in the moment, you know, between March and and July of this year, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, okay, this is temporary. It's going to come back. I'll find my way back into this role, into my job, or this is completely over. I got to completely start from scratch and find something else. What were you thinking? Well, the, the vantage point that I had in the seat that I held in corporate strategy, I saw a lot more than, you know, the typical choice associate. I saw the financials, I saw the P&L, I saw where, you know, there was costs that contributed to revenue, and I saw where there were costs that contributed to, you know, the the company functioning and moving forward, but there's cost centers and revenue centers. And so when this all started to go down, I could see things coming, and I could tell that despite the fact that no one wanted to furlough associates or eliminate positions. It was just going to happen. And company after company was going through the same really, really, really tough decisions. Um, so because of where I sat, I knew it was coming. Because of where I sat, I also knew that my position would be at risk given the work that I was doing was really future oriented, you know, five years, 10 years out. And given my comp range, right? If I'm looking for a great way to find, you know, uh, some cost savings, I'm going to put my position on the list. So mm. I knew, I saw it coming. I think once it came, it was so much better than seeing it coming. Because I was like, <laughs> oh my god, the train is coming, the train is coming, the train is coming. It is, it's really moving slow. I wish that train would just come and just hit me. Um, so yeah, I think you know, and I had lots of conversations with people before I left that you know, these decisions are really hard. They're not personal. They're absolutely about survival. They're about making sure that the, you know, 13,000 franchisees that we have can stay in business and they can still continue to pay their employees. So, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't think I can say that I really took one for the team, but Mm -hmm. you sort of, you take one for the industry and, um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's it. Yeah. So in that moment, you you, you have this news. Um, and I should say, even leading up to that, even months before COVID, were you in a place where you were even considering that there was something different for you, that something might, there might be something else in the world for you or no? I mean, yes, because I'm the kind of person that I, I like to say that I still am trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. You know, I mean, I'm 47 years old and I should be grown up and I have kids and I have a family and I have responsibilities, but I, you know, I'm always curious. And, you know, a a couple of years ago, I did something that I'd always wanted to do and had never done. And that was get my yoga teaching certification. Um, So I, you know, spent time 
going through the training and doing the auditions. And then I started teaching yoga sculpt at core power yoga. And this was a really important milestone for me. And I think that, I mean, I've practiced yoga for 20 years and it's always been a part of my life and it's, you know, for fitness or for wellness or just for the mind state and for the challenge and for the movement and being in your body, which if you're a kinesthetic person like me, being in your body is really important. Mm. Um, teaching started to probably make me a little bit curious about what else I could be doing. And was I doing the work that was like, um, the highest and best use of my talent, my intellect, and my passion. Um, the great thing about the company where I was at Choice Hotels, you know, they really, you know, encourage development and moving around. And so, you know, I led the brand organization for six years. I'm a brand and marketing per person through and through, heart and soul, top to bottom. Um, but I'd done it for six years and I needed to do something else I needed to develop. And so after kind of a long, um, long discussions about what I could do, you know, we decided that I would move over into corporate strategy. Now, corporate strategy was not where I was planning to stay or necessarily kind of build my career off of, but it was a really great opportunity to get an enterprise view of the company, develop more as an executive before getting into that next level. So, um, but the fact of the matter is, is that while I was there and intellectually I was stimulated it was work that was behind the scenes. Um, it was not, it didn't light all of my like passion candles, mm. you know, it was really good work. It was really important work. Um, but I think the combination of being in that and teaching yoga, yeah, I was probably a little hungry. Um, yeah. You know, and then to make sure that I'm doing something that really, really is, you know, when you come home at the end of the day, the time you spent away from your family was absolutely 100% worth it. And then the universe said. And then the universe said, you're right. Here you go. <laughs> Here's a moment for you to reflect during class. <laughs> reflect on this for exactly. a few months. <laughs> it's like, hey, you've been thinking about this, but you're not, any, you're not taking any time to think about it. We're going to give you some time to think about it. So tell me, they say, I'm sorry, your position's eliminated. You go home, you're sitting there at dinner with your family the very first night and you're like, okay, so what am I doing? Am I looking for a new job? Am I finding something else to do? What, what was your state of mind in that moment? Well, I think this is, I'll tell you about the states of mind. Um, I mean, first of all, everyone was working from home since the middle of March. So all of these conversations were done via Zoom, right? So there was no like going home to tell the family because the family was there. But it was also, <laughs> you know, I have always been very, you know, open and including, inclusive of my kids when it comes to what's happening at work and what's happening with me and those kinds of things. And, um, you know, I, I sat on it for a few hours and I certainly I talked with my husband and he and I both, you know, expected this. And then I really started thinking about, you know, how do I want to tell the kids? And I want to tell the kids in a way that um, they see me truly. And I'm, I'm a huge reader of Brene Brown, right? And if, you know, showing your true vulnerability means being present with what you have, where you have it in the exact point that you're in and not faking 
artificial strength to try to prop up somebody else. And if your kids see you going through something that's difficult and coming out on the other side, they are then equipped with the muscles when they go through something different, difficult, and they know that they can come through on the other side. So, um, you know, I told them that this was what was happening and, um, this would mean that I'd have, you know, a lot more time and I would look for something new. And they were like, do we have to move? And I said, well, I, you know, let's, let's, let's back up. That is their, you know, focal point in all of this is, do we have to move? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just, I, you know, shared that with them and I was, you know, there are obviously tears and there's laughter and there's tears and there's laughter. And I said, so tonight for a mommy special, you have to let me watch Sense and Sensibility, Jane Austen movie, Emma Thompson's film. I said, because I cry like 16 different times in that movie and I need it. I just Fantastic. So they had a fun time just like watching me. They're like, turn and look like, is she crying on this part? Is she crying here? That's fantastic. That's great. And it sounds like such an important lesson for our audience, for our listeners, but also for your kids that 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 it's okay to talk about these moments that that it's necessary to kind of talk about these moments to sit in your feelings for a little while before making some choices right right and i think that's the sitting in your feelings i think has been one of the hardest things to do because while intellectually i know that i need to it's really hard to um so coming out of that i was like all right I'm going to project plan my way to my future, right? And I'm going to think about these are the things I can do. I'm going to create like four different, you know, pillars of my strategy and I'm going to, and, you know, I redid my resume in like two days and I, you know, called up all the recruiters that I knew and like, I got to work Mm. and I, I was not ready, right? Like I needed to spend some more time sitting in my feelings, um, in that time, in addition to trying to project plan my future, I started like 12 new projects. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do some online learning. I took a creativity course. I, you know, I'm going to upscale on my digital marketing skills. Um, I decided to go and get my 200 hour yoga teacher training. And I just started all of these things because I need to be busy. I need to be moving. And I didn't want to spend time sitting in my feelings. Hmm. Why, right? why do we need to be busy? And explain to me, I'm asking personally, why do we need to be busy? Please tell me why. For me, I think it means that if I'm busy and I'm working on something, then I'm contributing and I'm impacting and my existence is worth it. I mean, I know that sounds like super existential, but um, there's that part of it. I think there's also, if I'm busy, I don't have to do all of the self-reflection that's really hard and painful um, and wonderful, but hard. So being busy helps you put off what's hard. Um, One of the projects that I did start that was a very productive forward-moving project, um, kind of accidentally, I reconnected with my first boss from Frito, my boss Mm. when I was an intern. Stuart Johnson. So good plug wow. for him. He and I have always been in connected with LinkedIn. I've always looked at what he puts out in terms of, you know, some of the newsletters that he's created or articles that he shares. And we just always had a really good connection. And I found out 
in our conversation that he was also an executive coach. And his version of executive coaching is basically, and they, these are my words, not his, so I'm not going to influence his brand, but it's like, you know, get off the treadmill and onto the road of your real life, right? Um, just thought, and he, he's a um, endurance athlete and very competitive and very successful and very independent and all that stuff. And I said, that's, that's kind of what I need right now. Can I hire you? So I hired him. Um, and he helped me sit in my feelings <laughs> a lot. <laughs> mm. And to be clear, this was not therapy. Um, but I hired him because I said, look, I have all of these things that I want to do. Should I start my own business? Should I go and get another job? Should I, you know, do I need to take more, you know, classes, you know, I, help me focus. And he said, okay, you want to turn your wants into projects. I said, yes, it's exactly what I want to do. He said, okay, so tell me about your values. And I said, what? And he goes, well, what are your values? And I, and I said, uh, it's like, do you mean things I care about? Like, my family, my career. He goes, Nope, those aren't values. What are your values? And I was like, all right, I'm stuck. I don't, I, I don't even know how to answer that question. And he said, well, I'll tell you about mine. And he talked about, um, he values independence and he values excellence and performance. And when he told me his values, I saw him and I was like, oh, of course that's you. Mm. The reality is that I couldn't articulate mine, despite the fact that I always tout myself as someone who's very self-aware and, you know, I know my strengths and all those kinds of things. I had been working and pushing and climbing and succeeding for so long in an environment that I knew how to operate in, that I had forgotten kind of what was core to me and what my values were. So through a couple of months, we really worked on you know, trying to identify what those are. And he gave me some questions to journal on, like, you know, when you're in your peak mode, your peak performance, what's happening? What are you doing? How do you feel? Who's with you? Um, when you were, um, you know, tell me about a time where you felt like you were most successful, what was going on? And so, or tell me about a time where you were really jealous of someone, why? So through some of these exercises and journaling, I started to circle these themes that were coming up and I realized, well, this is actually how I'm identifying my values because number one, they're coming from stories that are really important to me, important enough that I want to journal about. Number two, they're reflective of why those things are important and why I choose to put my energy there. So the things that started to come up were self-expression, because I have a theater background mm. and because I love engaging with people and I love articulating ideas and I love um, convincing people to get on board with something and persuading <laughs> um, and verbalizing all of that's really important. Creativity, building things, inventing things. Creativity is why I like to cook. Creativity is why I loved innovation. Creativity is why I like marketing. Mm. Um, things like, um, safety and security, hmm. right? Right now, that's pretty important for me. I'm the breadwinner of my family. I'm responsible for bringing home all the bacon and, you know, 
um, things like excellence, because as Stuart told me, he was like, Anne, I know you, you don't do shitty. Um, <laughs> pardon my French. <laughs> oh, perfect. So it was, this was the, the sitting in your feelings takes, you have to stop in order to do that. Um, so that was a really critical Hmm. exercise for me. And, and now I know what my values are. And now I have a lens to look at everything. So if I'm looking at a job opportunity, if I'm making a decision, I'm like, does this fit with my values? Now that I know who I am again, right now that I know it's really important and I can stand in that and own it. Hmm. Does this fit? Is this worth my time? Do I need 12 projects or three? You, you are not the first of women that I've interviewed who talk about an external party, a coach, a friend, uh, even even a life partner who is there to help navigate you through that because that experience that you just described um, is really difficult to do on your own. It's really hard to to sit in your feelings and reflect and be objective and be able to articulate everything that you just articulate articulated in a in a cohesive way uh, do you feel like you could have done it without him and and certainly I'm so, I remember Stuart he I'm sure brings a lot to the table but just generally speaking having someone else help you reflect feels really powerful I know absolutely for certain that I couldn't do it by myself despite the fact that I'm stubborn and I want to be independent and I want to take care of myself and I don't want to be weak and I don't want to fail. Um, I couldn't do it on my own because I would have been circling and circling and circling and circling and wasting time. Um, you know, back to what COVID has presented the world. Um, it's a pause, right? We've had to you know, go into our homes and stop doing things that we normally did and we're driving less. I mean, I read something today that greenhouse gas emissions are going to be the lowest since 1983. It's not because we had seven months of not commuting, right? So there's this pause and there's an opportunity for a reset, but we don't have to be alone. I think that there's this myth that if you do it by yourself, you're like stronger and cooler. Mm. I mean, mm. this is like when I teach yoga and we're doing push-ups or chaturanga or whatever, and I'm like, knees are just as cool as toes. Like <laughs> you want to come down to your knees and keep That's your form great. and really build up strength through your chest and your triceps rock on. You want to stay on your toes because you're trying to prove something to yourself and your ego. That's cool too. But knees are just as cool as toes. Mm. Working with someone is just as cool as doing it by yourself. Um, for me, working with someone is always better than doing it by myself. I'm I'm not a lone ranger because I get lost. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I love this. I think I'm going to use this quote for this point forward. Knees are just as good as toes. <laughs> I, I've loved everything about that. I think I'm going to get t-shirts made. <laughs> so knees is just as good as toes. FYI. That's totally. fantastic. I love that. So, so you did all of this hard work. You spent all this time with Stuart, who seems to be brilliant. Apparently, I need to give Stuart a call after <laughs> this uh, so he can help me out of my own funks. Um, but you spent all this time. You sat with your feelings. You're thinking. You're working. 
first of all, tell me time frame. When is this happening? Was this this, I'm guessing around this summertime? Yeah, so I think I hired Stuart in July. Mm. Yeah, July. And we had, and every everything is personal, right? You know, sometimes people need, you know, years and sometimes people need months. And, um, but we worked together, you know, for two, three and a half months, I guess, sort mm-hmm. of, we had to, you know, push some appointments and everything. Um, but we had probably about, let's see, 11, 10 or 11 sessions, two hours. And um, the other thing that's really good about working with someone is that they hold you accountable, right? Um, my, the first homework assignment he gave me, I turned in late and he told me <laughs> that I turned in late and I was like, yep, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, that That's great. Right. So I wanted to know time frame because, you know, for everyone listening, I want it to be really clear that um, your story is not done. We're, we're at the very tip beginning of your story. You're, you're still living this, this moment. And, and I think that's okay. And I think I said that to you when I, when I reached out about this podcast that um, I think it's important to share with people that uh, all of the, all of these stories that we're sharing now, and I make it a point, I try to make it a point with my interviews to say, you know, what, where are you going next? What do you think is coming next? Because it's continuously evolving. I, I talk about this with my, my girls that, especially my, my teenager, that we think the person we are right now is the person we're always going to be. Uh, I remember reading about this in an article once, and or maybe it was in one of my favorite podcasts called Hidden Brain. Uh, Might have been where we heard about it. Yours too. Oh my gosh, I love that. Such a great podcast. I think it might have been there where they were talking about how we just inherently believe that what we are living through and what we believe as a human and, and what we expect of ourselves as a person is static and will never change. And yet you're also able to reflect back into history and say, well, I, I can see how I'm a very different person than five years ago. I can see how I'm very different than 20 years ago. And somehow we think that 20 years from now, I'm going to be exactly the same. And certainly that's true for teenagers that are completely unable to see the difference, but it's true for us, for us in our forties, it doesn't, doesn't make any difference. Right. Um, and, and I love that people like Oprah and other women who are in their sixties have kind of shed a light on that and said, forties were this way for me, fifties were this way. And now I'm in my sixties and I'm living my best life because of X, Y, Z, that they're sort of giving us guideposts to the future to say, things are going to continuously change. And that's, I think you're in that moment of change and, and we don't, none of us know where your story is going to end. It'll end somewhere fantastic for certain, a hundred percent. And we'll be excited to see where, where your journey goes, but you're, you're in it right now so tell me a little bit about what is life like for Anne today in this moment in time and what what are you expecting for the next let's just go 30 days even 90 days don't take me past that where are you so one I absolutely agree with you that we're not static um I think we create if anyone tells us that we're static it's just ourselves right the universe expects us to continue to grow and evolve. That's why it presents us all of these challenges. 
we want stability because it feels secure and we have this sense of control. So for me, this my husband can probably tell you, but control is really important for me. Um, and so in a period of time where you lose control, you know, what happens? So because things aren't static, because, you know, I want to continue to move forward, where I am right now is the more I engage with the universe, the more it comes back to me. And I know this sounds really like hippy-dippy right now, and I am a yoga teacher, so bear with me. Um, if I sit and hide and sit in my feelings and feel sad, which by the way, I have done too, right? Nothing comes to me, right? I'm not getting a recruiter calling me because I'm sitting, you know, depressed eating Cheetos. I've eaten a lot of Cheetos Frito-Lay during this <laughs> you know, period. So, um, but that doesn't happen. What happens is when I send things out to the universe. So, I mean, where I am right now, I think one, the market is heating up a little bit. There's been, you know, a little bit of recovery. We have to see what's going to happen as we go into phase two of COVID and we start to see some spikes again. But people are starting to get interested in bringing in talented people to their organization. So um, I'm super excited to have some conversations going on right now. Um, obviously TBD, but things that are fitting with my values. There were things that I were pursuing that I was pursuing a couple months ago because I felt like they were good, they'd make me look good, or because I felt like I'd earn a lot of money, right? And they didn't happen. Good. <laughs> so, you know, right now, I feel like I've got the opportunity to be really clear about what I'm looking for. And that puts me in a position, I may not have control, but I have a lot of empowerment in terms of how I choose and how I bring myself to the table to these companies, right? Um, I mean, I will say that in the summer, I was like, should I start my own business? Should I, like you, should I start my consulting business? Can I make enough money as a yoga teacher? I think the answers were no. Um, and so what I've come to learn too, is that I wanna be part of a company. I love being in corporate America. I love organizations. You know, every organizational is dysfunctional in its own right, just like every family, and you sort of learn to work within it. And I love behavior of organizations. It fascinates me. And so I want to be within an organization. I also know that I'm ready to take on a bigger challenge. That's what I was hungry for in the last couple of years. And maybe I waited. Um, maybe I delayed, maybe also there was something about me that wasn't ready because I hadn't done this work of figuring out what my values are, what my best strengths are and where my hunger lies. Um, but I'm, I'm ready. And so I'm, I'm excited about, I mean, what could happen in 30 days or 90 days or whatever, but I know I couldn't say this two months ago. I know that there's something great that's going to happen. And I know that I'm going to do great because I've had that time to overcome some of the doubt. Now, doubt comes back um, through some of the work that I've done and some of the readings that I've done. Um, reading Emotional Agility by Susan David is a really powerful book. Um, she talks a lot about how feelings happen. We can't avoid them. We can't deny them. But we have to learn how to be in them and push through them 
so that we don't let them control us. And it's artificial to us to fake positivity, right? If you have a negative feeling, you're gonna have a negative feeling. You can't deny it, but you have to come through it. So I think with this notion of emotional agility, I can be prepared for the peaks and the valleys. Some days I'm in a valley, some days I'm in a peak, some days I'm in a valley, some days I'm in a peak. And it's not about getting rid of all of the valleys and staying at the peak. It's knowing how to navigate between those two dimensions in a way that you can still be present, powerful, and moving forward. Um, that was a book that Stuart recommended. It's also a lot of things that we talked through because I'm an optimist, I'm a positive person, and I felt like feeling sad and feeling bad and feeling doubt was wrong. And I had to get rid of all of that. And the reality is that you don't. It's that's, how you respond to it. That's so, um, so insightful. I think to hear you in a moment that by any measure could be considered a moment of crisis, a moment of difficulty, <laughs> a moment of um, really that anyone could be flailing in, right? That it's, you're in a real challenge right now for you and for your family and yet yeah. I think you articulate so so beautifully that there's always something ahead it's easy for me in the situation I'm in right now where my business is booming as a matter of fact I have to turn work away and things are working all wonderful and great to say Literally. to you <laughs> yeah right it's fine for me to say to you and everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great because I'm in a position of power. And in power, I mean that I'm on the other side of a challenge. I don't mean that I've never had a challenge. I mean, I was in your shoes at some point in the past. And in that moment, I couldn't see that in the fall of 2020, I'd be in this situation that I'm in. Exactly how you today is really difficult for you to be able to envision what your fall of 2020 is going to be. And yet Absolutely. you can reflect on that you're able to reflect on that and and articulate so beautifully that that is coming and I 100% agree with you even in my fall of 20 even in my moment of of quote-unquote greatness and things are wonderful and perfect I have those days two days ago was that day when I'm like oh my god everything is horrible this is the worst thing I've ever done in my life like nothing's gonna work out and yes I have to sit in that for a minute and then come out of it and say what's wrong with you everything is perfect this is the best thing ever okay great we're moving on because that's that's what we do I think so much of our personalities are similar uh and and that's what we do and, and so it happens it happens to all of us and yet again you know, I think your outlook is wonderful. And I hope that in the next coming days, when inevitably you'll get into a little bit of a rut, you'll remember this conversation and you'll be able to kind of keep going. And, and I love that you've shared that with, with our audience. And I'm sure some people are going through that moment right now. You know, and yes, we all go through it. Or if we haven't gone through it, you will go through it. Or if you went through it, you know, in this time, one of the things that's really hard when you are um, and, and I'm going to say when I, because I've, I've flailed and I've done all of those things and it has been a crisis. Um, I was blinded by the crisis and couldn't then see myself. So all of the people that I would talk to, they were like, yeah, but you're going to bounce back. Yeah, but you're amazing. Like you're one of the, you know, mm. my top five people that I've ever worked for. You're so incredible. You bring so much to the table. And I'm like, I am in my lowest of lowest points right now. And I can't believe you. 
bullshit. Because if that mm-hmm. were happening, then I wouldn't be where I am. Right. So it's like going through all of this to finally be able to see yourself the way others see you. It's like, oh my God. Well, okay. All right. So I can, mm-hmm. you know, all right, let's put on my big boy pants and we'll keep moving forward. Um, yeah. I just returned from a, a trip to Florida to visit um, a choice franchisee who I have a friendship with. And he wanted me to come out and talk about yoga and leadership and breathing and just be with his team. And so I had an opportunity to go out and um, lead a, a breathing exercise and then talk about how yoga has impacted my leadership style. And it really starts with that moment of breath. And so this is, so Victor Frankl said, you know, between stimulus and response, there's a pause. And in that pause, you have a choice. The same thing in yoga between inhales and exhales, there's a pause. And in that pause, you have an opportunity to be, um, to have an intention and to be mindful about your next pose, how you're going to approach it, how you're going to approach your next breath. Are you going to hold on to it a little bit? Are you going to let it go through you? Um, and we don't take the time to breathe and find the pause in between the inhale, the exhale, the ebb, the flow, the triumph, the defeat. So I look at this time that I've had as a really powerful pause. Yes, I I love this idea of the pause. I'm sure you've come across the Deepak Chopra podcast. He has several. So I don't know which one I heard him talk about that, that I thought was so, that was so enlightening. I thought that that moment that there is that moment between the inhale and the exhale, and it kind of clicked so much for me and thinking about pauses in general. And even you'll, you'll appreciate this as a, as a marketer, as a strategist, um, it, it connected for me in the way we think about even planning and, and strategizing that there's this moment of inhale where we're intaking data and input inputting information. And then there's an output, a decision-making a, a, a action that we're taking. And that moment in between is where the magic happens, where you're, you're pausing and you're thinking and reflecting on all of these inputs before you take that action, before you take that exit. Uh, and I was so moved by that in the way that he talked about it and have actually brought it in and some of the ways that I talk about strategy, innovation and planning in my own business. But but it's it's a spectacular way to think about it even in 2020 as, as so much has happened to all of us, even if you haven't lost your job, even if you know no one in your immediate circle who's had COVID, at this point, I don't know who that is, but nevertheless, right. if you if you personally haven't been affected by it, there's so much to absorb about 2020. And thankfully, the holidays are around the corner that we can take that moment to really reflect before figuring out what does 2021 look for all of us? How, how do we move forward from so much that has occurred in this year, certainly for my family beyond COVID, the social unrest, the discussions around Black Lives Matter has had so much of an impact on us uh, and forcing us to think about what, what kind of lives do we want to lead? Who do we want to be in the world? You think about this, this, this pause, right? The pause is uncomfortable. You know, whether you're talking about the, the messy middle of the innovation planning or the marketing strategy, the pause and being mindful about your actions and what mm. you think and what they reflect about, you know, so I'm now thinking about like systemic bias and implicit bias, right? That pause is uncomfortable. Mm. 
Mm. And we'd rather just push through it and get to the other thing. Or we'd rather not change. Or we'd rather not look at all the hard work that we have to do, right? That pause is uncomfortable. Yeah. But what you said is it's where the magic happens, right? And it's where you're mindful. And it's where you're intentional. And it's also where you can be more powerful when you do push through to the other side. Yeah. This conversation has been spectacular. I love everything that you have said. You have given us so much to think about. Uh, I am so impressed by it, more impressed. I've always been impressed by you from day one that I met you. And by the way, anyone that I talk about related to you over the years has also been very impressed. Oh, Anne, we love Anne. Um, I mentioned to a couple of friends that I was interviewing you. Oh, she's fantastic. I'm so glad that you're talking to her. And it seems that like a fine wine, my darling, you have <laughs> aged well and, and still have so much ahead of you. So I can't imagine how fantastic you'll be at a hundred. So I'll do my, my fabulous women of age 100 podcast and you'll be the first on I'll the list. Honest. Hey, I'll co-host it with you. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. So I'm, I'm so glad that we got a chance to talk. Um, and I can't wait to see where you, where you end up. Friends. Yeah, stay tuned. Like you said, our stories are not completed and I've got a few chapters left to write. So stay tuned. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fork in the Road podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed recording it. And if you found any wisdom in our conversation today, please do us and your friends a favor by sharing this episode. Help us reach even more women by liking and reviewing this podcast wherever you found us. And be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.